Welcome to the St. Edward's Podcast, a church filled with the Holy Spirit. We hope that today's words will draw you closer to Christ Thank Jesus. You, Father Mark. Will you pray with me? Indeed, Lord, we just sang how we want you to be near. And so I ask that you would send your Holy Spirit right now and that you would be near to each of us, that we would hear your word. And indeed, that your Holy Spirit would lead me to preach your word. Lord, anything that is not from you, I pray that you would just cause it to be forgotten so that indeed we would hear your voice and know that you are near. This we ask in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Two years ago when Linda and I were here last, I got a piece of rope, you might remember, and hung it from the balcony. Any of the children remember that? You do. You're one of the big kids. I see that. And, and the point of that sermon was that as Linda and I stepped out uh, to serve the Lord overseas, that we needed people to hold the ropes and to support us uh, in prayer, to support us in thinking about us, to support us financially, to support us spiritually before the Lord. And I want to say thank you for doing that over the last two years. Uh, we cannot do what we are doing in Thailand and in the other countries unless you uh, are indeed holding the ropes on our behalf. If any of the children want to run up, no, no, we won't do that. Uh, we did that once before. Uh, today, I want to take a look at the scriptures. And um, I don't know if you spent any time looking at the scripture before we got here, but that gospel is a really hard gospel. And part of the reason is we get to the very last verse, and we take a look at it, and it says that you cannot serve both God and mammon. And so we kind of get the impression that you have to make a choice, either God on this side or money on this side. And if you've got all the money in the world, you probably have a very small God. Or if you have a really big faith in God on this side, you probably have no money because you can't have both, right? Isn't that what the verse says? No, it's not. You can't understand the parable of Jesus if you don't know Genesis. God created Adam, and where did God put Adam? In the garden. What did God do when God put him in the garden? He told Adam to do what? Work. Work. God put Adam and Eve in the garden to work it and to be good stewards of God's creation. That is the essence of work, employment, money, and making a life. If you have that in mind, you realize that the parable doesn't have God on one side and mammon on the other side but rather it might be more helpful to think of God up on top and money on the bottom. Let me turn around so the folks behind me can see that. God on top and money on the bottom, or money on top and God on the bottom. It's not either or, 
but it's who has priority in your life. God, Jesus is saying in the parable that you have to make a decision. Are you going to follow money first and make certain that God never challenges that? Or are you going to put God on top so that your money follows your faith in Jesus Christ? Now that became a very personal question two and a half years ago when Linda and I began to talk about going back to Asia. Because at that point in time, I was 55, and that was the perfect time that if you want a career as an Episcopal Anglican priest to go look for another parish, a nice big parish, where you can make more money. And God said, do you want to go to Thailand? I said, Thailand, that's halfway around the world. And if I go there, no search committee is ever going to come looking for me there. And so I had to make a personal decision. Which is on top, God or money and career? Amen. God goes on top. Money, career comes second. And so even though it didn't make sense from a, the business of a career, it made sense because God said, go. And God has confirmed that again and again because people like you are holding the ropes and we are still there two years later. Scripture, the parable in the Gospels, doesn't make sense if you don't know Genesis. I was excited to see in the parish hall, let's see where I put it, that there were a number of, of flyers for different Bible studies in the parish, including this one from Regent College, adult Bible conversation, starting with creation and fall and working all the way through the scriptures. One of the joys of becoming an Episcopalian Anglican was to have the whole of scripture in worship. This morning we've read from the Old Testament, we've read from the Psalms, we've read from the Gospel, we've read from the Epistle. And in the best of our preaching, there is the opportunity to see that those scriptures go together. So today we had an Old Testament reading where the people are, are in, in um, exile and they are being oppressed and, and God's kingdom is being beaten down and the prophet is looking forward to the day when God would come and lift up his people. The psalm. A same theme of being trodden down and calling out to God, looking with hope. And then Jesus in the parable, again, is, is looking at this, this corrupt money manager and saying, what are you doing? And the guy is getting fired. And he scrambles and he says, oh my, I got to do something. Now, what you may not have noticed is that 
he gave money back. He t told everybody to come inside and, and he would change their bills. Now, from our eyes, that looks corrupt. I mean, he's been accused of him being corrupt, but actually what he's doing is he's correcting his corruption. See, in, in the Jewish culture, you weren't allowed to charge interest. So what they would do is they would bury the interest on a contract inside the contract as if they bought extra. Say they bought 10, gal 10 bottles of wine or 10 barrels of grain. The bill would be for 12. And the extra two barrels were the equivalent to interest. And you weren't allowed to do that. But the owner of the, of the, ma the master, he turned a blind eye to it, at least at first, because, hey, he got a little bit more extra money. And the manager, he got to live a little bit larger. But somehow the owner caught wind of it and decided, no, 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 we can't do this. Because he's corrupt in some other way, maybe. And so the manager quickly calls in all of the accounts and says, quick, let me change it from 12 down to 10 where it should have been. Now it's an honest contract, and all of a sudden, he is making favor with the people that he's been doing business with. He's correcting it. Instead of being corrupt and charging extra, he's charging them a fair price. So we have the same theme from the Old Testament of those who have been, who have been stepped on being treated wisely and according to God's purposes. God is wanting to lift up his people. And then we get to Paul's words to Timothy. And Paul's words to Timothy don't seem to fit the same theme. Let me read again what we read from Timothy. First of all, I urge that uh, supplications, prayers, intercessions, and thanksgivings be made for everyone, for kings and all who are in high positions, so that we may lead a quiet and peaceable life in all godliness and dignity. At first, that doesn't sound like that connects to the Old Testament. But scratch at it a little bit, and you realize, hold on, that's what the Old Testament is looking forward to, is a kingdom of God that is at peace, where people are able to, to carry on with their business and to live out their lives quietly and at peace with their neighbors. And Paul is saying God is still wants that. That part of the gospel of Jesus Christ is creating a community in which we are able to live at peace, that we are able to prosper together, where the poor are lifted up, where the sick are healed, and where there is the joy of the Spirit every day living peaceful and quiet lives. And Paul goes on to say, this is right and is acceptable in the sight of God our Savior, who desires that everyone to be saved and to come to the knowledge of the truth. Now that word everyone is, is amazing there. Because in the Old Testament, most of the people understood that God's kingdom was just for the Israelites. But Paul is praying here that everyone, how many of us in this room are Jewish? So that means all of us. Because in the Old Testament, we weren't included in the kingdom. But when Jesus came and stretched out his arms on the cross, 
he embraced all of us. Not only here, but around the world. There are still one out of four people in the world today who will be born, who will grow a little bit, maybe go to school, grow a little bit more, maybe get married, maybe have children, grow a little bit more, begin to get old, begin to get frail, and die without ever once meeting a follower of Jesus. Not once. Father Mark, halfway through the service at 8 o'clock, did you hear the bells at the church? I don't know which church it was. It was ringing. Methodist Church. You've got a choice of which churches to go to. You've got a choice of what time to go. You can have organ music in the morning or you can have guitar music at this hour. But there are one out of four people in the world today who can't even choose one church because there is no church in their community. But Paul says that God desires it everyone would know Jesus Christ and the truth of the gospel. For there is one God and there is also only one mediator between God and humankind, Christ Jesus himself, who became human, who gave himself a ransom for all. That was attested at the right time. Jesus is the only one who has ever stretched out his arms on the cross. I've studied Buddhism, Hinduism, Sikhism, Islam. I've studied a whole variety of different ways of thinking about life. The only people that claim that God would become one of us and die for us and rise from the grave in victory, the only one is Jesus Christ. And this was attested at the right time. You see, when God got started in Genesis, he had a plan in mind. It included Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. It included Noah. It included uh, the prophets, it included the kings, it included the judges, it included the exile, it included the, the co collapse of the city of Jerusalem. It included all of that. And then when the time was just right, God was born as Jesus. And Jesus waited 30 years. He didn't rush it. And at just the right time, he turned the water into wine. At just the right time, he began to heal the blind and the lame. At just the right time, he began to proclaim the kingdom of God. At just the right time, he was arrested. At just the right time, he died. And at just the right time, he rose from the grave. And at just the right time, the Holy Spirit came at Pentecost and enlivened the church empowered the church to be God's people. But the story doesn't end there. Paul goes on to say, for this I was appointed a herald and an apostle. I'm telling the truth. I'm not lying. A teacher 
of the nations, the Gentiles, in faith and truth. You see, if you have a Bible, Genesis is at one cover and Revelation is at the other cover. Genesis is at the beginning of creation. Uh, yeah, and Revelation is at the end, at the beginning of the new creation. And we, the church, are in the middle of the book. And we are part of God's plan for all of time. And at just the right time, God called, God called Paul to be a herald to the nations. And at just the right time, God called Linda and me to go to Asia. And at just the right time, God has called you to worship him in this place called St. Edward's. Sometimes I trip up and I call it Mount Edward's. It's not a mountain in the Bible. God has called you to be God's church at just the right time with the same purpose that Paul and all the apostles have to carry the good news of Jesus Christ, to carry the joy of Jesus Christ, the hope of Jesus Christ into the world near and far. So that little ones and older ones can all know that Jesus is near and knows us by name. And no matter what weighs us down, whether it's sickness or poverty, whether it's corruption, whether it's pollution, whatever weighs us down, just like those in the Old Testament and in the Psalms, they cried out to be lifted up. Jesus is near and Jesus lifts us up. But what about those one in four who have never heard of Jesus Christ? It's our responsibility and it's our calling to go, to make known the gospel to the ends of the earth. Many people call this service the Mass. Deacon, what's the last thing we do in the service? Dismiss the people. The Mass is in, we go in peace. That's right. The word dismiss is the same word as Mass in Latin. And the service got its name from the dismissal, the mass. When the people were instructed to do what? Go in peace. Go in peace. To go and proclaim the love of Jesus Christ, to be the salt and the light of Jesus Christ in the world around us. And so this morning, I invite you to grab a hold of those four words. You know what the four words were? At the right time. Can you say that? Exactly. She didn't say it very loud, so how about we all say it together? At the right time. Jesus has called you today at the right time to be part of what Jesus is doing in the world today. He didn't just wake up this morning and say, Hey, let's have, Ma, let's have uh, Mount Dora. Uh, let's have St. Edward's in Mount Dora. He didn't just wake up and think of it. He's been planning it from Genesis. And I want to say thank you for responding in one specific way, holding the ropes for Linda and me.
Together, we are making a difference in the world. Together, we, like Paul, are being heralds of the gospel to the nations. But don't just do it in Thailand. Do it also with your neighbor. Share the joy, the love, and the hope of Jesus Christ. Because without him, there is no hope that lasts, no love that remains, no joy that satisfies. To God be the glory. Amen. Thank you for joining us in this conversation today. We will continue to pray that our teachings are impacting you for the kingdom of God. If you'd like to learn more about our community, you can find us on stedwardsepiscopal.com or on Facebook. And of course, we'd love for you to visit us in beautiful Mount Dora. May God 